Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams. Hello, friends. Welcome back to our Dream Big Nation podcast. I'm Lisa Williams, your hostess. And I am really excited to talk with my new friend, Missy Lacey Lang. We met on Clubhouse as I've been meeting a lot of my new friends the last couple of months. And we just had an immediate connection around family and our faith. We both had some loss that we'd experienced in recent years that really uh, contributed to the pivot we made in our own lives. And Miss Lacey is a fifth generation farmer. She is the chief gardener of her business. So she says the chief pain in the butt at her home to make everybody do what they're supposed to do. But Lacey, welcome to our show. I'm so excited to just dive in together with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm excited too. Absolutely. So, so I love the idea of being a fifth, fifth generation farmer. So tell us a little bit, give us a little bit of the backstory, you know, help some of our listeners kind of, what does that mean exactly? And how is it also maybe contributing to what you're doing in your business right now? Well, if you were to tell me just even five years ago that this is where my life would be headed, I would have thought you were a little bit crazy. I've always been a gardener, except for like my teenage years when friends and things like that were a little bit more (laughs) more important or seemed more important than I. But The land that I garden on has been in my family for 131 years this year. We are a Utah centennial farm. So that means that it has been at least in the state of Utah for um, 100 plus years. So 131 years this year. And three years ago, unexpectedly, my dad, who was kind of the helm of it, it, this land has come down through his genealogy, had a sudden heart attack and passed away perfectly healthy. He was actually out feeding cows right before it happened. And we aren't quite sure. We figure that he must have started feeling badly while he was feeding hay, because if while you feed hay on a tractor in, in the wintertime, you know, get up on the, the hay basket and kick the hay off. And usually you try to spread it out over quite a, a long ways so that the cows aren't crowded together. But his hay line was really short. He had just been to lunch with a friend and he actually stopped at the urgent care on the way to his home, which our urgent care is only like two blocks away from our emergency room. So we don't know if he just decided he was going to head home and thought that he was going to stop in urgent care. But when he walked in the lobby, he had told him that he thought he might be having a heart attack. And they said that he just collapsed and they never were able to revive him. And I mean, never in a million years would I have thought that in my mid thirties that I would be taking over the family land. The odd thing about it is that I am me and my sister and my mom are the third set of women running this land. So my great grandmother lost her husband quite young. She ran the land for 38 years, I believe. My great grandma ran the land for 16 years after her husband passed away. And then my dad and his brother kind of 
took it over after that. It used to be a sheep farm way back when, and it was actually land that was gotten in the Homestead Act. So it was my great, great grandfather that had gotten it through the Homestead Act. So it's just kind of come down through the family. We are the third set of women running it now. And so we're just learning as we go. You know, of course we were somewhat involved, but when you have a very determined and driven father like mine was, he likes to do things on his own. He was very rarely asked for help. And so we did know how to do quite a few things, but it's definitely been a learning curve. And thanks to our farm neighbors and our extended family that kind of knew drains and shut off valves and things like that, we didn't know were. And also my oldest nephew that always hung out with my dad quite a bit, we were actually able to kind of piece things together. Now we're on our third year and it's been had its own challenges every single year. This year, Utah is in a very severe drought. So we've had to make some calls as far as our hay fields go. We let go of our cows a couple of years ago, just because my dad was planning on kind of transitioning out of cows anyway. And we didn't have a a large operation. We only had 12 head. And so we're just kind of learning what we need to do to keep the hay farm running. And then gardening also in the land that was it was my grandmother's house. It was my great grandmother's house before that. So, and it's just a half mile down the road from my house. So yeah. as we still spend a lot of time though. There, there's farming roots in my heritage as well. My family was all from Montana and my grandpa had one of the largest wheat farms in Montana. And I, I wonder for you guys, a lot of the challenge in our family was, is there anyone that wants to do this again? And my generation there wasn't. Had you even like had that conversation before with your parents? Did was the plan eventually for you to get involved or how did that go down? It was always kind of an idea and we had talked about it that someone in the family was going to keep this running whether it be me and my sister's oldest is very into tractors and farming and everything like that. He actually just had his 16th birthday. So he gets to actually drive to the farm to change water and stuff now instead of having to be dropped off or picked up. So it always was in the cards. I think I always had an interest in it. I've had a horse for quite a while. And like I said, as, as I, after I got married, started to have a family of my own and things like your posterity and your genealogy and where you came from becomes a little bit more clear to you and a little bit more important to you. It definitely was always in the cards for someone to to keep this going. And we hope that, you know, I'm the fifth generation, my kids and my sister's kids are the sixth generation and they're really interested in it right now. And I hope that it can continue on for many generations after that. I'm very fascinated with how people being in recruiting as long as I have, you know, we never take that class. What am I meant to be when I grow up? And I know you were kind of born into it, but you also have, you shared with me some sort of big dreams that you want to do with the house. And was it a retreat set? Tell us about that. Cause I think the great thing is you've been inherited this business, but now what is Lacey going to do with it? Right. 
Yeah. And that's when my dad had it, you know, it was, they always say that if you're into farming for making money, you're in for into it for the wrong reason, because unless you have a huge operation, you're not going to be making money at anything. It's a, of course a tax write-off and that's kind of what it was for my dad. And now, you know, where we don't have my dad's extra income to put into it and running a farm is expensive, whether it be your water assessments, whether it be your property taxes, even if you are on what's called green belt taxes, they're a little bit less income than regular property taxes, but there's money that's going to need to be going into this. And where we don't have the cows anymore, you know, if when you have the cows, you have the expensive cows, but you also have your calves that you sell off every year and you would have that revenue coming in to kind of offset things. We no longer have that. So the only thing that we have as far as the land goes that we are outputting is the hay. And not all of the hay either. I wish that we had an amazing hay crop this year because the hay prices are really high. But where we don't have water, we don't have a huge hay crop. And I also need to hold back hay for my horse. And we also inherited a little pony. So <laughs> we've got two two mouths to feed. And so we just are not making as much as we would have when we had the cows. But the cows were just not feasible for the lifestyles that you know me and my mom and my, my husband and my brother-in-law all have right now. So that was a decision that we had to make. So I'm trying to pivot this into something that can be self-sustaining and can have a revenue. And in fact, it was actually through Clubhouse where we met and it has been an amazing asset in me getting clear about what I have in front of me and what I can do and what I can't do. And through Clubhouse and speaking to other people, I realized that not everyone has the opportunity that I have been afforded here. And growing up, born and raised in such a small town here, you don't really realize that until it is put in front of you that, hey, this is unique and you don't, everyone doesn't have this opportunity. So I am doing garden education, of course. I think that it is a huge fundamental thing that everyone, but it's a huge thing that everyone, I would say, should know how to do. If you during, you know, everything that happened in 2020 and grocery stores shutting down and there being no food on the the store shelves, I at least knew that I, number one, had some backstock of flour, sugar, things like that was a little bit prepared. That's growing up here in Utah with the majority of faith being Mormon, many of, you know, you're kind of raised to think in being um, prepared for whether it be the store shutdown, whether it be a, a harsh winter that you can't get out and go to the store. So we always had a little bit of a backstock. But then in the summertime, being able to know that I could grow enough food to sustain my family, my sister's family, and my mom, my in-laws, you know, that we had enough that we could at least feed our family, maybe helpfully feed some around the community too. Because inevitably, it's kind of a gardening joke that when it comes September time, you are leaving zucchini on your neighbor's doorsteps because you are sick of it. You've made all of the zucchini bread and the zucchini tricks and traits, but... And all you can. <laughs> yes, a canned all you can. That's we got a freeze dryer. So we, we will freeze dry them into zucchini chips. But you know, you can you can grow enough to sustain yourself. You can also grow, grow enough to, to, to sustain some of your community too. And if we could get back to, you know, a few people in a neighborhood doing that, if something like that were to happen again, you know, as a community, you can come together and make sure that everyone has something to eat. It's It can be something that I think that anyone can do. 
it, whether it be in an apartment in whether it be, you know, like I, I have been afforded a great place of piece of land to be able to go and do it at, whether it be, you know, garden boxes, if you want to go to that extent or pots on your patio, I just, I feel like everyone, it's a skill that everyone can do if they want to, the, I the amount of my tower garden I got right when I met you. Remember? Yes. And it's so fun. I love being able to go out and just like make a salad right on my patio. You know, I have caterpillars right now that I'm going to, I might have to talk to you about later. Oh yes. <laughs> right? um, that's, they are our nemesis. Yes. What mom or dad is listening to this right now and remembers maybe having a garden at school. I know our daughter, she was our sons and daughters. They were at their, our local school down the street and they each, each classroom had their own garden box. And my husband and I would volunteer and go, I mean, let's talk about what it could bring, you know, not only just the ability to provide for our families, like truly provide, but the experience as well that it provides for your family. That's definitely a huge part in, even after I lost my dad, you know, the, the mental aspect, I don't know what it is that happens in the garden, but when my hands go in the dirt, when I'm working in the dirt, all of my worries just go away. It is, it has been the best therapy for my mind, for my body too. You know, I was not this active before my dad passed away. And so it has been more healthy for me to, to watch my kids eyes glow when they put some seeds in the ground and then they go out a couple of days later and there's something actually growing. They are mind blown. They are absolutely flabbergasted over it. And to think that there is some kids that will never have that opportunity. And, you know, they don't know where their food comes from. They don't know that their food does not come from a truck or from a grocery store that, you know, and that it can taste as good as it, as it does like the tomatoes. That I get every year from my, I don't, I don't garden a lot, but I always have tomatoes and it's, ah, it's a little slice of heaven you're biting Mm -hmm. into. Yep, exactly. And so I think that definitely the aspect of letting them know where their food comes from, they're also a little bit more curious and want to try other things. My kids, both my youngest and my sister's youngest, for some reason, they have an aversion to potatoes unless it's French fries. (laughs) And we, they had an absolute, I have a video on my Instagram of them digging the potatoes up last year. And my sister or my daughter is in a unicorn princess dress while she's digging potatoes and just living her best life and absolutely just squealing as they're treasure hunting through the dirt, finding these potatoes. They did both try them. And so they still don't love mashed potatoes, but at least they know where they come from. They had and that joy of even, you know, green beans. We've got like a teepee structure that actually my dad built for us. We live very close to the, the reservation. And so Native American culture is huge here. My grandma was a huge proponent of Native American culture. And so before she passed away, my dad actually built this rebar teepee that we grow our beans on and they're, oh, they're pulling picture. I'd love to see I will. It. Yes. It's included on our post for the, the podcast. Yeah. And the kid like, and it's also nice to go in there and pick because you're in the shade, but it's just a, a rebar with a ring that my dad welded some things on the top of, and it is heavy, 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 but the kids absolutely love it. It's like a little hideout for them out in the garden. Well, and you know what you said that struck me also is, how many times do we forget 
that as humans, we're meant to be creators. And how many times have we thought about doing something new or creating something and then just stop? Mm -hmm. And I think if we can foster that creativity in our children, just what a happier life they'll lead. So the ability to show our kids like, yes, you did plant this and yes, now it's growing and yes, now we're eating it. I mean, I just think that's something special. And the thought that they, it just fills my heart with pride to know that like I can feed my kids. Like if everything was to go, go away, you know, I could, I could harvest the seeds from the things, you know, if I could not get seeds next year, depending on what type of varieties I grew, I could harvest the seeds from this year and continue growing something for next year that I don't want it to be kind of like a scary mentality, but just the, that piece that I have in my heart of knowing, and I want everyone to be able to feel that, that if everything was to go haywire, that you were able to feed yourself, your family, hopefully your neighbors, you can teach this to other people too. Yeah, I'm not the only one that can teach this. You can teach this to your neighbors and instill that seed because once you kind of get it planted in you and have a little bit of success, it's addicting. Garden gardening can definitely be addicting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what you're doing because you have a lot of different things that you're doing aside from I know it's your busy time right now with gardening, but you're building additional income streams with your with your I don't know if you call it coaching or teaching, but you're on Clubhouse, you're doing all sorts of things. Like tell tell us about some of those other revenue streams you have going. Sure. It's very much in its infancy right now, but yes, I'm teaching on Clubhouse. We hold gardening rooms on there. We did a lot more during the winter, obviously, because where it's summertime, we're in the garden. <laughs> It's kind of hard to, I, w- I was telling everybody, I wish that these headphones had like that you could use the mute button or the stop button as like your mic button on, because <laughs> then I could use them a lot easier in the garden while I was in the middle of things. So I am, I teach live on Clubhouse. I answer questions. I try to go in other gardening rooms and answer other people's questions too, if I have the answers and go in and learn. There has been so many people that I have learned from on Clubhouse as well that are in completely different climates. There's a friend of mine that he lives in Saudi Arabia and listening to how what they do and how they are doing permaculture in Saudi Arabia to try to replenish the soils there has been absolutely mind-blowing. There is some very knowledgeable people on Clubhouse in the gardening realm, and we'll have more rooms and things open as the season, oh, as the gardening right. season kind of comes down. Yeah. But, well, and you're, you're teaching. So you have your, your web portal that you're doing some teaching and, you know, you and I are going to create something. I have this vision of wealth, health, and self and doing like workshops around bringing those three areas of our lives together. I just think now I, I remember you also told me about your retreat idea. Tell us, tell us about that. Yes. So where we have the garden, like I said, it was my grandparents' house. It was my great grandparents' house. And my dad actually had started remodeling it a few years after my grandma passed away. The house was vacant. And so he started with the bathroom. And so there is some other renovations that me and my sister would love to do with the house and then have it. We realized that not a lot of people have this opportunity to be able to come somewhere and garden or learn a little bit about gardening. And where we are located is kind of a little bit of a 
tourist area. We're known for actually dinosaurs. We're known for dinosaurs here where we are. So many people come to see the dinosaur fossils. And so we are hoping to be able to create an immersive experience for people to be able to come here, come tour our tiny town, go see the, the dinosaur fossils, but also take a step back into self-sustainability and learn how you may be able to implement some of these things that we do here in your own garden. So the gardens obviously are right there at the house. And so if somebody wanted to come and have an immersive experience with a VRBO type, but also have the experience of either, you know, coming and riding the tractor or feeding the horses, (laughs) that type of thing. And then yeah, be able to learn while they're there. I love that so much. I am going to connect you with my girlfriend, one of my business partners. She is the empowered chef and she helps families run sustainable kitchens. And I think you ladies would just love each other. Oh, awesome. I'm excited. Absolutely. So, so tell us um, a little bit, I know your summer's crazy, but tell us about, you know, what's coming, what can we expect from you and maybe how some of our listeners can can work with you if they'd like to embrace this in their own lives. Awesome. It, yeah, it is so crazy right now. And this year garden, this year's garden has been a little bit off for me. I, I, I feel like I was really on my game last year. This year, I tried to, I, every year I try to do something a little bit different just to kind of break up sometimes the monotony. If you, if you try something different, sometimes things work, sometimes things don't. And so I actually got, have got my squash in a little bit late. And so this year, the garden is a little bit behind, which is normal for, uh, from what I'm hearing for all of my other garden friends, they kind of had the same stutter step in the, in the spring of waiting to make sure that the frost was completely gone. And then it just skyrocketed with heat. Well, you can't put your seedlings in the ground at that point. So then you have to wait even longer and we're still working in the garden. So I am sharing what we're doing in the garden on there. I do have a free six page beginner's guide on my Instagram. If you go to my Instagram page, you can download that right from my link. And I'm also using using an app this year called Garden Eyes that I connected with the creators with that over on Clubhouse. And I'm using that app to actually plan my garden and to document what I'm doing and when both in my, I have what I call an ornamental gardener at my house. So it's not edibles other than a few berries and things like that. And then over at the vegetable garden at my grandma's house. So I'm, I'm using that app. You can have access to as well on my link in my Instagram, and then you can get the free six page beginner's guide for if anyone is just learning to garden or if they're wanting to learn how to garden and kind of want to get a good foundation of what you should know or what you should kind of be considering when you start out with an in-ground garden. Thank you. We need to do a summit together too. I think that the idea of wealth, health, and self, don't you think that would fit in beautifully? Yeah. Yes, it would. Everybody's getting to listen about our collaboration that we're doing right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Well, friends, you heard it here first. Exactly. Be watching for this. And Lacey, I'll, I'll have you send us all those links. So we'll make sure we send it out with the, the podcast as well. So I have one more question for you. It's been kind of a fun question. I've heard lots of different answers, but I want you to picture yourself. How old are you right now? 36. So you're in your 30s. Let's say, let's say picture yourself 40 years from now. Okay. And your your grandkids, they come over, you're sitting on the porch, enjoying life, kicking back. And they come on, come over and they're like, Grammy, we just learned about COVID. 
we, in school, we heard people went crazy. What did you do? What would you say to them? Well, I would say that in the beginning that it was very um, nerve wracking and we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what was going to happen. But in the back of my mind, I had the knowledge that I needed and I had been passed down from my family, from the generations before me that I knew that if nothing else, as I was watching the news and seeing these bare shelves, that if nothing else, I knew that I could feed my family. And it's because of what my parents taught me, what my grandparents taught me. And through the lifestyle that, that we lived here, that I, of course, was nervous about it, but I did not have to worry at least about feeding my family. And this is why. And hopefully there's a whole posterity for them to be able to take over. Absolutely. Well, and you know, you said it, legacy. What is our legacy that we're leaving? You're part of a really amazing legacy that now you're writing your chapter. Not that you hadn't already been doing that, but you know, friends, as we are wrapping up, Lacey, thank you so much. I so enjoyed our conversation and I can't wait to discover what God has planned for us to create together. And friends, as you're as you're listening to these episodes, remember these stories we're bringing to you are stories of reinvention, stories of people that have taken a chapter in their life and moved into a new one. They're rewriting their legacy. And Lacey's um, story is a beautiful example of that. And I'll ask you three questions. You know, the first question is, are you happy right now? And if you look ahead 12 months from now and nothing changes, are you okay with that? And if the answer is no, the next question is, do you have a plan to change that? You know, my experience in as I entered this world of entrepreneurship, which was only a few years ago, remember, I'm a recovering corporate executive myself, is that this world is so abundant. There's so much creation that can be made as a result of like-minded people locking arms. So if you're asking yourself these questions and the answer is no, and you don't have a plan, be sure you continue to tune in, get all these great examples Schedule time with me and my tribe and Lisa Williams Co. and our Wealth Builders community as we continue to support everyone else in their life journey. Amazing, amazing blessings to you all in this life that we're blessed with. I can't wait to see you and spend time with you again soon. Bye, friends. Bye, Lacey. Hey, Dream Big Nation community. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.